0: Hello, and welcome to Wilderness Medicine Updates, the podcast for medical providers at the edges. I'm your host, Patrick Fink. This is episode two, and today we're talking about scorpion stings. Now, scorpions are present on every continent except Antarctica, which is vaguely horrifying, and the closer you are to the equator, the bigger this is a problem. We're going to be reviewing a paper from Wilderness and Environmental Medicine published in 2022 entitled Comparison of Intravenous Paracetamol, dexketoprofen, trometamol, or topical lidocaine used for pain relief in scorpion stings, a placebo-controlled randomized study. Naturally, it's February, which means that uh, rather than do ski patrol medicine or avalanche-related content, we're doing a special toxicology episode. Now, these authors, Turgut et al., are coming to us from Turkey, and Turkey is an area with a significant uh, morbidity and mortality associated with scorpion stings. In what we might characterize as the first world, there are widely available and effective anti for scorpions. However, in less developed areas of the world, in particularly rural settings that don't have access to a tertiary care center, they might use a dirtier form of um, like whole IgG anti And the benefit of that is less clear because there's more significant risk of anaphylaxis and it may be less efficacious. Just a little bit of background. Scorpion stings are a big problem globally. As far as envenomations go, they're the second leading cause of death after snake bite. There are about 2,700 known species of scorpions, but about 30 of those are reportedly dangerous to humans. The rest hurt when they sting, much like getting stung by a bee, but they don't have uh, significant venom toxicity. Globally, the total number of annual scorpion stings is somewhere in excess of 1.2 million with the number of deaths annually exceeding around 3,000. Those deaths are usually due to pulmonary edema and cardiogenic shock, uh, and post-sting anaphylactic shock is also a cause of mortality. While there are variations between scorpions with regards to what is actually in their venom, they are generally structurally similar, and all but one of them come from a single kind of family of scorpion. Um, These Toxins contain hemolysins and neurotoxins, so they cause hemolysis, they block sodium channels, and they cause hyperexcitation and repeated firing in neurons. What this looks like in terms of significant toxicity is they can produce a huge inflammatory toxidrome as well as neuroexcitability. So we can see cardiac arrhythmia, we can see seizure, and we can see pulmonary edema or ARDS causing multisystem organ failure. The authors in this paper use different grades to evaluate the severity of scorpion stings. And a grade one scorpion sting is one which produces only pain or paresthesia at the site of the scorpion sting. Grade two, three, and four are syndromes which might be attended by cardiopulmonary instability, cranial nerve abnormalities, neuromuscular dysfunction, nausea, vomiting, or pulmonary edema. So today we're going to be talking about treating pain just in patients who have localized pain and symptoms of scorpion sting, but not any systemic symptoms. Previously, there have been studies that looked at the efficacy of various medications for the treatment of scorpion stings, but they were observational and did not have a placebo control. These authors use an interesting format in which they randomize 120 patients to receive both a topical and an IV medication, including paracetamol, also known as acetaminophen uh, to the North American crowd, dexketoprofen, topical lidocaine, and a placebo group. So we have essentially acetaminophen, an NSAID, topical lidocaine, and a placebo. And each group gets an injection of a clear liquid and a gloopy paste of a topical, um, which is either the treatment or a sham. So they assessed 161 patients for eligibility who showed up with stated scorpion stings. They ultimately randomized 120 people. And so they gave them this intervention at the beginning of their evaluation and asked them to describe their pain on a 100-point visual scale. And these are commonly used. The patient rates their pain from 0 to 100 by marking a hash on a scale from 0 to 100 and then... Evaluators can measure that using a ruler to determine a quantitative measure of the patient's pain, obviously a subjective measure. So they looked at pain at zero, 30, and 60 minutes. Generally speaking, patients received the treatments that were allotted to them. There were no patients that crossed over to other groups. If at the end of 60 minutes the patients did not have adequate pain control, then they used a rescue medication, they used IV tramadol there were 14 patients that were quote-unquote lost to follow-up in their patient chart. And what this actually means, if you dig into it, is that there were patients who then asked that their data be removed from the study. Um, Interestingly, those happened in the NSAID, topical lidocaine, and placebo group in fairly even Numbers, whereas the IV paracetamol group, no one withdrew. And so ultimately, they analyzed all those people who did not ask to be withdrawn. So 30 people from the paracetamol group, 26 from the dexketoprofen, 25 from topical lidocaine, and 25 from placebo. What did they find? Their post hoc testing showed no significant difference between the three drugs, but only the IV paracetamol and the dexketoprofen were superior to the placebo. Particularly at 60 minutes. Rescue medications were required in about 40% of the whole sample. There was no significant difference among the groups in terms of who required rescue medication. Looking at the visual analog score pain changes in these groups, what we see is that generally speaking, each of them showed a reduction in pain by about 15 to 18 points at 30 minutes and 27 to 41 at 60 minutes. So there is a signal for improved performance in all of these groups, although we note also that the placebo reduced pain by 10 points at 30 minutes and 17 points at 60 minutes, so scorpion bites get better with time. What can we take away from this study? This is a prospective study of the use of IV paracetamol versus IV dextroketoprofen versus topical lidocaine placebo-controlled for the treatment of mild, localized symptoms due to scorpion stings. And my takeaway is that all of these work a little bit. I don't have any significant issues with the design of the study, although while I was reading it, I had this persistent question in my mind, why are these patients not being offered opioids? And interestingly, in their discussion... The authors say that opioids are contraindicated in the treatment of scorpion stings, and their reasoning here is that morphine and other opioid analogs have a mild norepinephrine reuptake inhibition effect, and so they could theoretically make systemic symptoms of scorpion stings like neuroexcitability worse. This really tickled me because then their rescue medication was tramadol, which is essentially an opioid. So I reached out to a couple different folks, including the physicians at our local poison control center, and said, hey, have you ever heard of this effect of the norepinephrine reuptake inhibition from opioids? And they said, yes, this is a mild effect. It is, however, most pronounced with tramadol. Tramadol is an interesting drug. Tramadol itself is neuroexcitatory and can induce seizures. It itself is not actually treating pain. It's active metabolite after it's metabolized in the liver that treats pain and the effect that people see in terms of pain control from tramadol is variable due to variable metabolism in the liver. Interestingly, in the area of the Mediterranean and Arabic countries, they are better metabolizers of tramadol than Nordic peoples or North Americans more generally. And so they are less likely to experience the toxic effects of the tramadol itself and are more likely to see efficacy from the tramadol metabolite. It's a source of more drug abuse there than it is here for this very reason. And it's also been our experience in North America that people don't particularly like tramadol as a pain medication because sometimes it's just ineffective or it's very um, variable in its effect. It's worth noting that the treatment of severe symptoms from scorpion sting involves benzos, 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 as with so much in toxicology. So, It is not unreasonable to use benzodiazepines in these patients if they're exhibiting signs of systemic toxicity. But also, I think there doesn't seem to be any evidence, direct evidence, that using opioids is going to increase the incidence of severe symptoms from otherwise low-grade, grade grade 1, grade 2 scorpion stings. So if I show up to the emergency department with a scorpion sting and I'm in a lot of pain, please, give me the paracetamol, give me the dextroketoprofen, Put on some topical lidocaine, and if I'm still hurting, I want the fentanyl. That's all for today. We're going to end with one fun fact about scorpions, which is that they never, ever eat anything solid. Their toxins cause liquefaction of local tissues, and then they consume those in a liquid form and discard any solids. So just a happy thought to finish with today. Thanks for joining us, and can't wait to see you next time. Updates is written, posted, and produced by Patrick Fink, MD, All Rights Reserved. Our music is produced by Nathan Fink. Any information included on this podcast is for your education only and does not constitute medical advice and does not constitute any patient relationship between you, our listener, and any other producers, hosts, or guests of the podcast.